this is Natalie Wires with Digital River. Welcome to a special edition of Commerce Connect, a four-episode series we're calling Uncertainty into Opportunity. Throughout the next few months, we'll hear from some of the world's top e-commerce experts as they share their strategies to build a strong direct-to-consumer e-commerce channel, which is your best defense against retail disruption. Listen on to learn more about strategies to turn an uncertain time into an opportunity to grow your e-commerce business. Hi everyone, I'm Mike French, Vice President of Partnerships and Alliances at Digital River. And today is our first podcast in the series of Uncertainty to Opportunity, uh, today on May 21st, and we're covering the topic of going direct to consumer. Um, And this is really a special edition of our Commerce Connect podcast series, uh, and uh, is the first of a number of live virtual events Digital River is producing to bring you some of the best in e-commerce thought leadership. Uh, As I mentioned, our topic today is uncertainty into opportunity, and uh, over the next several weeks, uh, we're going to help you learn and bring the industry experts together to help you learn how to build a strong direct-to-consumer e-commerce channel uh, as a very strong defense against retail disruption, as well as growing into an important revenue stream that represents business continuity uh, for your brand and for your company. Uh, Before we get started, I'd like to introduce uh, our experts and to start with a a thank you to our sponsors, uh, Astound Commerce, uh, powering success through experience-driven ecosystems that fuse technology, data, design, and storytelling. Uh, Commerce is at the heart of why brands and consumers connect, uh, and it's at the heart of everything that Astound Commerce does. Uh, And joining us today from Astound is Andrew. Andrew, why don't you introduce yourself? Sure. Thank you, Mike. Hello, everybody. My name is Andrew Leibowitz. I'm a Vice President Client Partner at Astound Commerce. Um, As you mentioned, Astound Commerce is a commerce professional services company. Um, We focus on everything related to commerce. So for us, it's strategy, user experience, design, and technology, and how it all comes together to uh, help commerce businesses. So looking forward to talking to everybody today. Great. Thank you, Andrew. Uh, and also joining us as a panelist and a sponsor today is, is Fortuitous. Uh, Fortuitous delivers digital experiences through creative and innovative technologies for an integrated, personalized experience that helps and leaves your customers wanting more. Uh, and Jack Kurtz is joining us from Fortuitous. Jack, if you could introduce yourself. Thanks, Mike. Uh, hi, everybody. This is Jack Kurtz with Fortuitous. Uh, We are a digital agency and systems integrator based in California and Texas. Uh, We focus on end-to-end e-commerce solutions and experiences from the customer experience all the way down to the back office. Uh, Really great to be here and uh, looking forward to our conversation. Thanks, Jack. Um, And we have a couple guest experts joining us today. Um, Rock Nakaj with Ingram Micro, and uh, many of you likely know Ingram. Uh, They're a very large distribution and fulfillment logistics provider um, and really help brands bring together a a spectrum of technology and supply chain services uh, to serve almost all of their sales channels, whether it be retail, marketplaces, and and of course, direct to consumer. Um, Rock, maybe you could introduce yourself. Yes, hello. 
My name is Rock Mackay. Uh, I'm with the Micro. I've been with the company for 16 years, um, and I manage our vendor retail storefront initiative. Um, as Mike mentioned, Inger Micro is a global leader in technology distribution, logistics, and services, uh, enabling partners to be successful through direct channels. Great. Thanks a lot, Rock. Uh, and Lori, joining us from uh, Honeywell Home Brands and, and Residio. Uh, Lori, you have experience as, as somebody who's done this, uh, who's kind of helped an organization go through a digital transformation and, and put a direct-to-consumer uh, model in place. So very excited to have your perspective today. Uh, maybe you could uh, introduce yourself and, and tell us a little bit more about what you do with Residio. Sure. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm Lori Mizuko. I'm with Residio. I'm the director of digital experience um, for our end-to-end -end customer um, uh, experience throughout all of our digital um, touch points on app, um, web, and mobile. So um, Brasidio is the, the maker of Honeywell Home products, which are in 150 million homes globally. So we're excited to chat today. Great. Thank you, Lori. Uh, and also joining us is, is Adam Coyle, Digital River CEO. Uh, Adam, if you could introduce yourself and uh, just a brief overview of what Digital River does. Sure, Mike. Thanks a lot. Um, so yes, I'm, I'm CEO of Digital River. And uh, for those of you who are not familiar with Digital River, um, Digital River has actually been a, uh, an e-commerce provider in the space for about 25 years. Um, started in the business as a um, sort of e-commerce as a service provider. We were a full stack solution for brands who wanted to uh, establish an e-commerce channel, but uh, didn't want to do it themselves. And uh, over time though, we have basically completely transformed our business and our technology stack to where we are today, which is really a, a very modularized, very componentized, uh, API first and microservices driven business that really solves a lot of the most complicated uh, issues that businesses face selling online in the back office. Um, we provide an integrated suite of services that basically take a lot of the um, complicated back office functions that uh, brands find uh, are, are, are a challenge when they try and sell online uh, globally and uh, we deliver them for them in a, in a seamless and integrated way. Um, I'm also going to talk a little bit about the themes we have for our podcast today. Um, and uh, there's kind of three major themes that we want to sort of address in this. Um, first of the themes is that this idea that a direct e a direct to customer channel, uh, a direct to customer e-commerce channel is a critical element for any brand um, as part of their overall go to market strategy. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about um, the ways in which we see the, uh, the uh, prior or long held notions of channel conflict and other things are starting to break down as brands begin to think about how they sell direct to customer for the first time. A uh, second theme we're gonna to touch on, I think a little bit today is this idea of if you're gonna go direct to customer, how, how should you do it? And uh, I think one of the uh, hypotheses we have is that you should focus only on the things that you can do well. And that really relates to your pricing, your packaging, um, the, uh, the, the marketing and positioning of your product within the marketplace and within your other channels, uh, and less so upon maybe the technology that's necessary to deliver the overall uh, e-commerce experience. And we'll, we'll dive into that a little bit more. And then I think the third theme and think hypothesis we have around this, uh, this uh, go-to-market strategy or this direct-to-customer strategy is that understanding your customer is one of the primary goals that you should expect to get out of developing a direct-to-customer channel and that 
um, doing that well and engaging your customers well is one of the real keys to being successful in direct-to-consumer or direct-to-customer uh, in, in e-commerce. And so I want to kind of follow up on one of those themes, um, you know, really with the concept of this idea of channel conflict and how brands are changing uh, their thinking around direct-to-customer. Um, and I want to specifically put it into the context of how brands should think about managing a direct-to-customer channel against a marketplace presence. And I'm going to start with a little bit of an anecdote and then throw it over to, uh, I think maybe to Jack to ask him this question. But um, we have heard brands, uh, one of our brand customers say that, you know, we're beginning to look at the um, marketplace channel, the Amazons and the Walmarts and the T-Malls and uh, the others of the world um, is kind of the feeder system, if you will, um, the place where customers can go and explore my uh, products or find out about my products for the first time, perhaps, and that my direct-to-customer channel is really sort of like my, uh, my high-end luxury store. That's the place where I can draw them in and establish, start establishing a relationship with them directly. And the way they likened it is the kind of the concept that you know, some um, uh, branded fashion manufacturers have to the outlet mall versus their branded store and having different types of products and services that are available in both. Um, you know, Jack, you've worked with a lot of people in this space and uh, have you seen that kind of play out or, or how have you seen other people address this issue of how they should think about a direct to customer channel versus perhaps a, uh, the marketplace? Well, it's, it's very similar to what you described, Adam, which is, you know, it's a lo it's the low hanging fruit. If you want to put your products out there on Amazon, eBay, and Walmart, absolutely, those are great channels. Um, they're reliable channels. However, um, there is no uh, direct emotional connection with your brand when somebody's buying your product through Amazon or eBay. Whereas if they're buying directly from your e-commerce site, your e-commerce channel, or even your brick and mortar store, there is some kind of connection. When they're, when they're purchasing from Amazon, uh, they don't even necessarily remember who they actually bought it from. They just feel like they're purchasing from Amazon. And you have no real direct control of, of the customer relationship. Whereas if they're buying directly from you, they have more of an emotional connection with your brand and you have a lot more control over that relationship. I think both are important, but I think you can't uh, have one and ignore the other. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good point, Jack. And, and thanks for starting us off down that route. Uh, it's, a, it's a question that a lot of folks have to answer. And, and maybe as Adam uh, indicated, that's maybe how some folks, you know, get started in the very beginning is, is you know, through a marketplace. Um, you know, what's interesting when we think about, you know, focus on the things that, that really only you can do things like pricing and merchandising and curating your product catalog. Uh, what are some of the differences that, you know, a brand might have in terms of control when we think about some of those things that, that a brand can do versus, you know, a, or a marketplace versus a, a direct experience? And, and Andrew, maybe you could comment on that a little bit. You know, those, those things that, that really just nobody can do like a brand can their own products, pricing, merchandising, et cetera. What are the differences in control between a direct channel and, and a marketplace channel? What are some of the advantages or disadvantages? Sure. Um, you know, I call it the why buy. If you're going to go direct to consumer and you're going to build out a site, make sure that's something that we think about is the why buy. So there's things like warranties. There's things like obviously signing up for promotions, right? 
But then there's loyalty. And I think loyalty means something very different in this day and age. Loyalty doesn't mean points to me. Loyalty doesn't mean spend $5, get 10. Loyalty means interacting with the brand and being loyal to them. So whether that be making product reviews on the sites, right? All those things to show why it's more important to buy directly from the consumer is important. And you need to focus on those things. And loyalty is a really big one for me. You could really gain that trust back and forth. And the last thing I'll say is things that you could do is personalization. Five years ago, personalization may have felt only the Home Depot and the Lowe's of the world can really personalize the product just for you. Um, nowadays, that's not true. The most basic of sites allow for personalization and allow you to directly talk to the consumer, giving them products that are very relevant to them, whether it be by price point, how they shop, where they live. And those are things you could do that a marketplace and a third party affiliate type cannot. Yeah, and is it is it fair to say that, you know, in, in some cases, what a marketplace uh, or an affiliate site may be doing around per uh, personalization or merchandising um, could work against uh, the, the presence of your brand or, or how your brand is uh, kind of experiences that? Is, is that something yep. you, you, you have some thoughts on? Um, a lot of marketplaces and platforms are run through AI, right? So there's a lot of algorithms that go behind it. You very well can end up right next to a brand you may not want to be right next to for many reasons. Um, whether it be too close of a comparison, it could be a direct competitor. And those are things you really don't have control over. And I think it's fair to say as marketplaces get bigger, they're having a hard time controlling those things as well. So again, it could go back to the why the direct to consumer, you absolutely control your own fate and you control your own product and you control all the things that you're probably going to care about the most. Yeah, thank you. And, and Rock, you know, um, you and Ingram, you, you work with brands who, you know, really that do a lot of both. They, you know, they sell direct to consumer, but then, you know, they also have a meaningful presence uh, from a marketplace standpoint. Um, are, are there differences that a brand needs to think about in terms of things like their inventory and, and fulfillment? Are, are there restrictions or requirements um, that, that can cause a brand to behave differently, that they need to think about, you know, product differently or branding differently, or, you know, even how something might be skewed. Um, what are some thoughts you might have there? So one of what Jack mentioned uh, was actually really key, I think, in terms of uh, offering a full market solution, right? The marketplaces are great partners and they can enable massive amount of sales out there. Um, you know, through Amazon Marketplace, Walmart Marketplace, or any of the marketplaces out there. Um, now, as Andrew and Jack had mentioned, you don't control the messaging in that regard, right? You lose the brand loyalty. Um, and if you look at some of the titans of industry out there in technology nowadays, uh, like what Apple does or Tesla, right, that have a strong direct-to-consumer business um, and almost cult-like followings. Um, so I think it's extremely important to make sure you're maintaining both. And that's a huge portion of it, right? And we fulfill for our partners, for our vendor partners, both, right? We have the ability, we, we help them channel through marketplace and we help them channel through their direct, uh, through the direct sites. Uh, we don't see a lot of technology issues or any kind of limitations uh, with regard to fulfilling for those sites. I mean, we can enable them the same as we can a marketplace, right? It's just a matter of them making the right selections and making the right decisions to do that, right? We're gonna fulfill what a vendor, what a partner wants. 
Um, and as long as they are going strong to all those marketplaces, I mean, they, they should run in parallel strongly. Yeah, it's, it's a really interesting point that I think maybe a lot of folks aren't aware of is that, you know, somebody like an Ingram, um, you're able to handle those things for them on, on the Amazon side as say, as well as uh, on the direct side. And, you know, a lot of folks don't understand, they think they may have to use different options um, to, to be able to work through either or, or both. Uh, and Lori, I, I'd love to hear your thoughts and comments on this. I mean, you spend a lot of time thinking about the digital experience and customer engagement. Uh, and obviously Honeywell and, and Residio, you, you sell direct, uh, you also take advantage of marketplaces. You know, what's, what's some of the guidance that you might give, you know, uh, someone in the audience thinking about, you know, how do I go one or the other? Do I think about, you know, you know do I price differently? Do I offer different product sets? You know, maybe along the line of what Andrew said, are there, are there services that I might attach to it? on you know, a direct sale around warranty that maybe I, you know, I do something differently in marketplace. Uh, how have you approached it and what's been successful? Yeah, I would say you know, when, I, when I came to Residio, uh, you know, we definitely were already in those marketplaces like Amazon and Walmart and whatnot. Um, and definitely we have a super large presence um, through our pro installation partners, right? So that's kind of our additional quote unquote marketplace of, of you know, over 30,000 installers across North America that are going into people's homes and recommending our products. Um, for us, what we really have keyed off on is, is the idea of let's control the message and the brand um, pre-purchase. Uh, pre Right, and that purchase could happen throughout any channel. But for all of our connected uh, devices, we actually own that relationship. So once they fire it up against their app, um, I now have a mechanism to talk to them through our app, through our email communications. Um, I can advertise to them right um, at the appropriate time. And I can also upsell them or cross-sell them at the right moment. And that's where we've really taken, you know, taken our data to the next level to understand and test into what is the, the appropriate time and the appropriate message, um, and then measure it. Um, I would say that most, uh, most of our company doesn't have that capability, right? Like they don't have that end user data to really power that messaging. And that's what I've been super proud of what, what our team has done this year. And now we're starting to take that and leverage it into our B2B channel. Um, so bringing visibility to that broadly about how digital um, and direct to customer can really help power and enable our sales force um, has been huge, especially in, in the current environment. Yeah, and, yeah Laura, you really hit on it too. And we haven't even spoken about it, but you're so right. Like B2C and taking that learning to B2B, my God, we can have a whole nother podcast just talking about that. So. You're definitely right on, right? All those learnings and utilizing it for B2B is um, such a great, such a great thing. Yeah, Mike, I'd like Let's... to follow up with a different question. I, I follow up on that question if I could. I don't mean to step over <laughs> you, but, uh, you know, in, uh, I think you bring up a really good point. In an increasingly connected world, in a world of increasingly connected devices, how important is that direct-to-customer channel, um, you know, to basically package those services together? Because you, we, we find a lot of our clients who have historically sold a physical product and they have a you know transactional relationship with their customer um, are now moving into a world where they're selling a product in conjunction with some type of subscription, whether it's a um, 
you know, paid subscription or not, because there's a there's an app or another thing um, that's you know a, a software component that goes with whatever they're delivering. You know, we used to buy a TV and the TV was a TV, but now the TV comes with preloaded apps and uh, an app you can control from your phone. And how 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 do you how do we how do we think and you know the, how does the panel think that the 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 evolution of those models um, and fits with the direct to customer channel? I mean, how, how do you how do you see that kind of evolving? Is that more important? Is it going to drive more people towards a direct to customer channel? I think for well, you know, for us, um, and actually the last company I worked for, it, the differentiator for the direct to consumer channel was was really in that subscription base, um, in that service. So in a lot of ways, especially when you're talking about you know premium hardware and, and things like that, there's not a lot of margin there. Um, and right. so so you're if you go through retail you know, your margins get even slimmer. Um, so the direct consumer channel, we were always the most profitable channel um, on that initial hardware sale. But when we own that relationship from a connected standpoint, that gives us the opportunity, no matter what channel the, the hardware was acquired through, to actually extend that and have an ongoing relationship through our subscription services, um, which I think is really key to <clears throat> deriving and creating this overall lifetime value proposition. Jack, why don't you add to that a bit with, uh, with, with your thoughts? What have you seen in terms of, um, and it builds a little bit off what Andrew was saying in terms of, you know, how brands might think about, you know, attaching services or tapping into something that looks like, you know, a, a subscription or an ongoing service that, that goes along with their product. Um, how have you seen that come together, and uh, and what are some of the decisions folks are, are thinking about or making, um, you know, as they're going through a, a direct consumer model um, around leveraging that for engagement? Well, what we're seeing at Fortuitous and just seeing in general is that people like to buy subscriptions. People are not buying the same way they used to 10, 15 years ago. Uh, Netflix. That's subscription-based. Uh, you know, your cell phone bill is subscription-based. Uh, so there are a lot of services where, you know, you just put your credit card in, you get a monthly subscription, and you get access to the service 24-7. Um, with actual products themselves, some products can have a subscription component to it. You see people selling, like, men's razors, things like that. Um, but for certain products, Subscription may not make sense, you know, uh, food and beverages, which we deal with quite a bit, you know, people are going to make a purchase when they need it. They're going to buy the quantity that they need, especially now they might buy a larger quantity if they're able to, and then re up later on. Uh, and then it just requires some type of a way to continually reach out to the customer and follow up with them uh, through some type of marketing mechanism. Um, you know, and, and I think that's, again, you're not going to get that uh, outside of a direct consumer relationship in, in a marketplace. So it just kind of lends credence to why that direct consumer relationship is really important. Yeah, it's, it's a really interesting point. And, um, you know, Rock, I'd, I'd love to hear your insight on this. In, in some cases, you know, the, this subscription and, you know, you mentioned, Jack, about razors and it's, you know, it kind of gets into the question about consumables. You know, maybe someone isn't going to buy a refrigerator online. They might go buy that in the store. 
but they might like a subscription where you know every three months or so they're getting a new water filter a new air filter right and that might be a a, a great example of the kind of transaction that even though you're selling maybe a you know a large durable good um, that consumers would love to be able to, to purchase from you and interact with you and and Rock, I'm sure you guys at, at Ingram are seeing a lot of this kind of physical subscription stuff start to come up. Uh, could you talk a little bit about that? I mean, are there, are there implications for how a brand needs to think about their inventory differently or fulfillment differently or how they attach, you know, uh, that kind of commerce transaction into what they're doing? Yeah, absolutely. And we are seeing that. I mean, there's certainly an uptick in the market uh, with regard to subscription services. And you, you hit on one of the biggest ones, right? We don't we don't do a ton of uh, large appliances ourselves, but we work with partners that sell refrigerator filters and those subscriptions are good for years and years and the people don't cancel them, right? You see a, a consistent uh, reoccurring revenue, uh, reoccurring revenue stream that you wouldn't see. Uh, and a lot of those cases are, a lot of those situations are direct to consumer from those vendors, right? Um, you don't capture that as well. I mean, Amazon does a pretty good subscription job pushing subscription services on their side. Uh, but selling your own branded product, it's, it's a great way to uh, to guarantee you're getting those sales versus a third party. Um, and there certainly is. And it's not just, you know, you have refrigerator filters, one example, um, but you're even seeing technology subscriptions, which is interesting, right? Uh, swap outs of uh, the most up-to-date laptop notebook, right? You get an upgrade once a year. Um, there's just, it's, I think that that's certainly going to be a growing segment of the market. Yeah, yeah let me, let me. Can I can I follow up on that, uh, Mike? Too, and it just yeah. as a as a, as a little of a side, and give a little bit of an anecdote. But you know, the it's it's not just about the commerce. I think that that's important in the direct customer channel, but it's really about the the subscription or that subscription like thing that that leads to customer engagement. And um, I sat next to a guy on an airplane, which now seems like a million years ago. Um, <laughs> one time, and we're, he actually was in the garage door opener business, believe it or not, and I was telling him, I said, you know, what's amazing to me is that I have a garage door opener, which, you know, I've always had a garage door opener, you know, for, for years, but now it comes with an app, right? And, um, and uh, you know, I, who would have thought, you know, 10 years ago that your garage door opener would have an app that you can open it remotely and stuff like that. And he says, yeah, it's, he says, it's a really important tool for us. And I asked him about um, their direct sales because they did sell direct. And he told me something interesting. He said, the utilization of the app or the people who will download the app was four times greater for people who bought through their direct channel than it was for people who bought through a marketplace or some other channel. And it gets into that idea that, you know, that the direct to customer channel is really powerful to creating that cycle of customer engagement. Now they weren't selling anything through the app per se, but they had a relationship with their customer and understanding of how their customer was using their device. Um, that was, you know, something that was, um, you know, uh, really fostered out of the fact that they had bought it direct from from the manufacturer. And I thought that was kind of interesting that, uh, that it is really about, and, and it's a good data point for how a direct-to-customer channel can really foster this concept of engagement. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting point, Adam. And, you know, uh, Lori, I'd, I'd love to come back to you as you talked a little bit about, you know, different channels and and differences in, in margin that you see, right? Um, and one of the things that's, I think, really interesting about, um, you know, what, what Residio and, and Honeywell do is, you know, you really work through a, a large network of installers, right? Who, who act as an important arm uh, for your brand uh, out into kind of the market. So, 
you know, maybe you could talk a little bit, you know, how, how have you engaged? And I'm sure we have folks in the audience with a similar model. They, you know, they had, may have dealers or installers uh, who are out there. Um, how have you engaged with them or how, how do you work with them uh, to kind of, whether it's through, uh, you know, how you might incent them or, or how you might work with them uh, to kind of turn them into ambassadors for your brand uh, or to kind of uh, use them to help you get to that engagement. Um, what does that look like? And, you know, how do the installers react to it? Yeah, I mean, I think that's, it's really timely, right? Because I think the, the ways that we used to do it even a year ago are, are changing right now in with this uh, COVID situation, right? Like you, you, our traditional methods of kind of having that line of communication is visits to distributors, going out and having uh, like in-store trainings uh, with, de with dealers and installers. And so we've really had to digitize that a lot, um, but we're also creating experiences where if you're actually a Residio Pro and you're authorized to um, install our products, we're giving you additional features and functions and access to content that you can leverage to drive your business. And that's really never been done. And we're partnering with different platforms to actually be able to track the usage of that. So if I'm going to create a bunch of social media content, um, really on value propositions of a product that they can use, you know, sometimes we put it in our own, um, own um, homeowner, homeowner social channels. Um, I can actually put that into one of our partner platforms and see how many people um, upload it into their system, how many people like click through it and see it. Um, to see the value of what we're doing and, and providing additional value there. Um, additionally, I think it's interesting, um, the comment about, um, that Adam made about, you know, the direct-to-consumer channel actually activates an app more. Um, what we see on just the homeowner front, um, our installers do a great job of selling our products, but at the same time, they don't feel that they are uh, technology wizards either. And so part of our education with them is to, is to really kind of explain to them that this isn't hard. But what we see is our sales out into the market of those products through those channels don't necessarily match our activation rates. So our retail channels and our direct-to-consumer channels are actually activating those connected thermostats at a higher rate um, because that installer doesn't want to <laughs> mess with your Wi-Fi. Um, and so it's, it's our job to actually promote the value proposition of that connected thermostat and how easy it is because it, it will work without it being connected to an app. Yeah, it's, it's very interesting. So, you know, you, you put this direct to consumer channel in place and simultaneous to that, you still have this critically important dealer and installer channel. And, and part of what you're doing, it sounds like is, is part of the overall effort is, you know, helping that channel be able to leverage and, and kind of tap the investments that, that you've made, whether it's through tools that you make available to them for promotion or training uh, or content that they can use or that they can leverage uh, in order to better educate the consumers with. Uh, but it is a very interesting point um, that, uh, you know, a couple different data points here that, you know, when a brand directly engages, uh, or uh, is uh, that purchase is made directly through that brand, the, the customer is much more likely to take advantage of tools that you give them uh, to engage uh, and, and to kind of establish that relationship. 
Um, it's yeah, it's really interesting. From a pricing standpoint, too, that's where personalization comes in, into place for us, for our B2B channel. So we actually have our B2B purchase channel is actually powered by our pricing um, in SAP. And so when you log in, your pricing is specific to your location and, and what you're allowed to purchase, um, which has really kind of allowed us to scale. So much so that in this current situation, I have um, VPs of our different lines of business saying, how can I get that for some additional customers? How do I get them logins? How do we set up that, that feed, right? And so um, we were on some fairly old technology from a pricing standpoint, and we're actually transitioning that to, to your new APIs um, this year so that we can scale that and make it available to other parts of our B2B business. Yeah, that's really interesting. And, you know, we talked a little bit about technology in, in the webcast. Uh, a portion of this event and we keep coming back to this concept of, of customer engagement and the value that it brings and uh, and in almost every situation you know what I hear you know the different folks here on the panel bringing up is you know the, the importance and the value that it represents the business value that it drives and then also kind of talking about you know a technology or a tool uh, that, that really helped you know um, whether it's it's you at, at Honeywell Lori achieve that uh, or, or Jack or, or Rock or Andrew, clients or customers that you've seen uh, kind of take advantage of that. Uh, we talked a little bit about tools. Um, is there, what are maybe the, the couple things, and Jack, you mentioned on the, the last one talking about product information management. You know, what are a couple other things that uh, a customer should really think about, or uh, I'm, I'm sorry, a company should really think about beyond you know, their shopping cart and, and their web page. And, and Andrew, maybe you could, uh, maybe you could respond there and, and start us off. If there's you know, one or two other things, you know, what might they be? Or you know, what does a customer think about to determine what those one or two other things are? Sure. Um, first, I'd say platform. What is the platform you're gonna use to power your commerce? It's a very big decision to make. There's a lot going on out there. The market changes very quick. So that would be number one. Um, to touch on PIM, um, so important, but integrations of PIM are complex and people that are just getting out to D2C may not have the available, uh, may not have the knowledge, the skill set, or the budget to increase to, to use a PIM. And that's even more reason why the platform is, is so valuable to me. The other is deciding about shipping. Shipping is becoming very complicated. Or do you want to be international? Are you just in the States? How do you figure those things out and what partner you need? A lot of brands want to be global. They want to send things uh, throughout the world, but they quickly realize you come up against a lot of things. So that's another piece that really makes sure you think that through your technology piece. And that also ties well with the OMS. So to answer that, I'd say platform, your OMS and shipping are probably like the first things you need to think about, in, in my opinion, amongst everything else. And, and Andrew, for some of the folks, listening in who may not be familiar, OMS, you're referring to uh, order management system? Oh, uh, yes, thank you, thank you. Uh, I've been on a lot of OMS calls. Order management system, what is the technology that is going to help with your picking and packing, that's gonna help with the shipping, that's gonna reconciliate the dollars, all those things flow in and out of an order management system. Uh, big decision for, for, for someone who's going direct to consumer. A lot of the platforms out there are attaching their own LMSs to these things to really make it even easier for brands. Okay, 
And, and Rock, I think that, you know, that really kind of takes over to you when we, we talk about wiring things together in, you know, in the back end and, and behind the cart. Um, you know, how is it that, you know, how does, how does Ingram work with maybe some of these different, you know, technologies or different commerce platforms? You know, what are the things that, that you guys do in, in helping a customer, you know, make a decision and, and maybe it's about, you know, integrating you know, what are some of those concerns? Uh, well, the integration aspect, obviously, I think we touched on it earlier. Um, there's a lot of platforms out there, right? There's a lot of things to integrate with. Luckily, uh, we've integrated with most of them. So we have, uh, you know, we have some experience with that, right? In terms of providing, uh, you know, direct integration with their site or with the third party or somebody else is managing the site, like Digital River. Obviously, we have a great integration with you guys. Um, you know, we really don't run into many, many problems with that uh, integration or uh, with regard to customizing however they want to go to market, right? If they want to offer things a certain way, if they want to bundle with other manufacturers, if they want to um, uh, package things in their own, we can generally customize anything they want to. And that gives us a lot of flexibility. I think the manufacturer may not have on their own, potentially through their own ship facilities, through their own uh, you know, facilities, which a lot of times it may just be shipping overseas directly to partners in the U.S. Okay, great. Yeah, I think I think Mike, it's a, if I it's could a, jump in real quick on this one. Yeah, please, Jack. Yeah, yeah. One of the things um, we've seen that's important to our clients at Fortuitous is the notion of rapid time to value. So, how quickly can we deploy a solution? Because especially now with COVID nineteen, people people have to pivot very quickly. They've had very little time. A lot of them they caught off guard, and so the solutions that we recommend have to be solutions that can be brought to market very quickly. Um, you know, you look at all the different e-commerce packages, most of them uh, are, are fairly simple to implement. Uh, Big Commerce, uh, Magento, Shopify. Uh, we've worked with a number of different PIMs. Uh, we've gotten sales layer online in, in uh, about 30 days. If you, if you recommend the right solution that is, is not overly complex, uh, that can that can get you that rapid time to value. Or an ERP system, a lot of times people think it's going to take 18 months to bring that online. Um, you should, especially in the mid-market, be able to bring a, an ERP system online in 90 days and immediately bring that value. So I think that's really, really important with technology is people want to move fast now. Speed is, is the currency of today's environment. And uh, I just kind of wanted to stress that a little bit. Yeah, it's, it's a really interesting point. Um, and reflecting back on our earlier discussion, you know, it, Andrew, you, you had made a comment about, you know, don't worry about trying to get everything 100% perfectly right. You know, there's, uh, you've got an opportunity to get out there, start going and, and learn. Uh, and, and Rock, you had mentioned about, you know, don't, don't be too afraid or too intimidated by channel conflict. Um, in, in today's world, you know, everybody's kind of finding ways to move past that and, and make that work. Um, so I, I think it's a pretty interesting message that, that's coming through for everybody, or, or from everybody rather, that, you know, yeah, there, there's a lot to this to be successful with it. Working with the right partners is an important part of it, uh, but it's also very doable. And, and it's, it's doable to achieve success uh, relatively quickly and then, build on that success. 
So, you know, we've got just a few minutes left and why don't we take that idea kind of, you know, into our closing remarks. You know, if we're thinking about our audience and, and the folks uh, who are listening in, they're looking for how do I go and, and get out there and, and create that success quickly? You know, what approach do I take to do it? Um, what are kind of our, you know, our, our parting thoughts on that? And Adam, why don't we start with you? The biggest thing I would say is, you know, um, focus on the customer and focus on the customer uh, and, 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 and doing the things you need to do to establish the relationship with that customer uh, and build long-term value. Um, I think that for people who are just getting started or people who are probably think about relaunching their direct-to-customer channel, um, they really need to focus on what is going to produce their best customer experience and where can I spend money or spend effort um, to work on the customer experience and, and avoid maybe some of the other complexities uh, in whatever solution I'm trying to deliver. So work with vendors, work with third parties to make the back office stuff and the easy, that stuff seamless and really, uh, you know, um, focus your efforts on, on the customer experience. And Rock, why don't we go over to you? Yeah, I think that, uh, again, I just to reinforce what I mentioned earlier in our conversation, I think that there's a lot of fear in the market, which really shouldn't be there, right? There are minimal obstacles to go to market to, to be able to offer your product directly to consumers. And one thing that people don't maybe realize is that people want to deal directly with manufacturers. What we found over the years is the amount of people actually actively searching and willing and wanting to do that is growing year over year, right? There's a certain legitimacy to dealing with them directly. So, I mean, you're not necessarily just trying to capture a portion of the market, but fulfill a demand uh, you know, a sort of a craving for loyalty with some of these brands. Um, you know, they're looking for um, that legitimacy of dealings. I've heard it really, you know, equated to reading a book versus beating the author, right? Having that relationship with the manufacturer directly um, helps them, right? I think they trust that they're getting the product that they're requesting. They trust that their information will be kept more secure, especially with all the data breaches going on. Um, and it's important for vendors to capitalize on that. Great, thanks, Rock. Andrew, your your parting thought about you know how how do you get out there, create success, you know what's what's the 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 key takeaway from your story? Um, I've been talking a lot about how you get out there and do it, but before you do that, as a brand, think about why you want to do it. Why do you want to go D to C and make sure it aligns? Think about the goals of this channel, and think about your audience make sure you cover off on those basics internally to make sure that this you're not doing this just to do this commerce is essential from here on out it's only going to get bigger it's going to be bigger parts of people's business and we got to think about your audience why you're doing it and define your goals and then after that go get them great thanks and jack um a few things First, don't try and reinvent the wheel. There's a lot of great tools and technologies out there that can get things to the marketplace a, a lot quicker than you think. Um, the second thing is, yes, plan, get internal alignment, but don't overthink it because you'll never get it done. And it'll never be perfect the first time anyway, uh, but get it out there. And, um, you know, I'm just gonna go back to what I said earlier. Speed is the new currency. Uh, rapid time to value is really, really important. So get on it. <laughs> Great. Thanks, Jack. And, and Lori, let's, let's close with you with, you know, your experience, you know, doing this yourself and, and leading an organization through the chain. 
Sure. You know, I, I think what, what Adam said um, really kind of resonates with me. Um, understanding your customer, whether that be a B2B or B2C customer, and, and really valuing that data and that engagement is super important. Um, even if you're just starting off and you don't have the, the means or the budget to invest in a super robust um, you know, database for your customers to live in, everybody has email. And because you've had um, that direct commerce experience with them, put them in their own segments. Just you know, put them aside at least and start to measure and see how they engage with you and have that ongoing conversation. Once you get to a good source or a good level of, you know, volume there, you know, leverage a partner. We've done this several times where we've, you know, we didn't always have the means to do the analysis that we would do today. Um, but when we were first started going into it, we, we would on an annual basis um, partner um, um, with somebody who would help us understand lifetime value, what payment methods, what uh, demographics, how old are they? Um, to really kind of align to how we should be messaging, how should we you know, be improving our products. Um, so that is a value that most of the organization can't have when we're having um, transactions go through other channels. Great, thank you, Lori. Um, and you know, I, I really appreciate uh, the panelists joining us today, Jack, Andrew, Rock, uh, Adam, and, and Lori, of course. Uh, and I hope for the audience you found this valuable. We, we talked about those, those few themes of how critically important direct to consumer as a channel really is now. Uh, the fact that it really is achievable, um, as Jack said, time is an important currency. And as you work with the right partners and focus on the things that really only you can do as a brand, uh, you're gonna find success. And probably the most important element to that success is how you think about engaging with your customers and what that means for your strategy around direct to consumer. So again, thank you to all of our panelists. Our next live virtual event is Wednesday on June 3rd uh, in our Commerce Passport series. We'll be talking about digital demand generation and experience expectations in global markets. So how, as you think about entering new markets, you can attract, convert, and keep more customers. Uh, for more details and to sign up for our series, uh, visit us at digitalriver.com slash passport. Uh, and for details on the next episode of the Uncertainty into Opportunity series, uh, we'll be discussing marketing for your online store. Visit us at digitalriver.com slash opportunity. Thank you, everybody. You've been listening to a special edition of Commerce Connect presented by Digital River, part of a series of live virtual events and podcasts designed to help you grow your global e-commerce business. Find out how you can attend a live virtual uncertainty into opportunity event at digitalriver.com opportunity.